the cycling podcast powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Hello, joining you on this Thursday evening from my temporary billet in London. My name is Daniel Freeber. I am the host of today's episode of the Cycling Podcast. And in that episode, we are going to be mainly taking a very close look at the second unwrapped present under cycling's off-season Christmas tree after the 2023 Giro d'Italia route last week. Today, it is the turn of the 2023 Tour de France and indeed the Tour de France fam. Both were presented earlier today in Paris. And I do believe one of our guests today is still in Paris. He is a voice familiar to many listeners of the Cycling Podcast and indeed to team managers and riders who ride races like the Tour. He's cycling's bilingual answer to Alexa, sort of lankier version of Siri, the backseat driver for the entire convoy of La Grande Boucle. He is to the Tour race director Thierry Gouvenu what Alberto Granada was to Che Guevara or possibly the other way around if you've watched the Motorcycle Diaries. He is Monsieur Radio Course, Mr. Race Radio. It is Seb Piquet. Bonjour, bonjour. Bonjour, la France. And Seb, you had a role today, didn't you? Maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. You, were, you were in the thick of the action in the Palais des Congrès in Paris today. Um, but well, let's get to our second guest, first of all. Um, another familiar voice for listeners of the Cycling Podcast. He's joining us from Marseille, the city which is his home, his muse, the subject of several of his books. He's, in fact, the author of more volumes on more different subjects than I've had Salade de Chef Chaud at the Tour de France. We're talking thousands He's a veteran of 34 Tours de France. He says that 2023, no, sorry, 2022 was his last hurrah. We hope to talk him into one more for the road. It is the doyen of our July podcast, the bête noire of anyone or anything purveying any sort of bullshit. It is François Tomaso. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, hi there. Uh, yeah, I, lo I love the backstreet rider uh, thing. That's me, that no, instead of the backseat rider. Uh, yeah, well, and I didn't have many uh, salade de chevrochou in my life. I don't like salade de chevrochou, to be honest. But anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here to discuss the Tour de France. I'll probably not cover. So, uh, we, well, <laughs> well, that's the burning topic of the day. We all remember your infamous, I don't know, your infamous press conference that you held on the quai on in the Vieux-Port in Marseille when you announced that world that this would be or last year would be your worst worst your last tour de france any second thoughts in the interim francois I tell or you any what, second thoughts watching the presentation today maybe yeah it, no it, to be honest when i when i discovered the 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 parkour of the Tour de France, obviously not today, uh, but we'll come back to that later. I mean, uh, I, I thought, well, that's a great uh, parkour for me in terms of tourism and in terms of being a southerner, because that you've got very few stages uh, north of the Loire, which is which is brilliant in my point of view. Uh, I've already, one thing that's planned is my farewell party. It'll be on the Thursday, first Thursday, the, the stage ends at Cotteret, near a place dear to my heart called Le Viscos, and uh, I will invite I will invite everybody. Oh, you've never invited me before. We've heard well, Daniel, you have, you have to come this time because I'll invite everybody uh, at Le Viscos on the Thursday for drinks, uh, uh, food and dance. I mean, every, uh, you know, anything from, I suppose, from five uh, in the afternoon to five in the morning. So, that, well, that, that's a, one thing to look forward to. So I, I'll be on the tour at once. Uh, at one point, that'll be on the Thursday. But, but will I start from Bilbao and stop at Le Viscos? That's another question question 
Well, I was pretty pleased as well to see that the... Not because I dislike northern France, but um, I do have a preference for below the waistline of France, I would say. Um, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what we liked, what we didn't like about the route in due course. But, um, Seb, I said that you were there. You had a role. What was that role today? Uh, I had uh, 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 two, uh, two uh, missions today. One was to translate... The words of Jean-Étienne Amaury, Christian Prudhomme, Marion Rousse, uh, and uh, all the people who were on stage uh, speaking in French. Uh, and it's not easy to translate uh, Christian Prudhomme because he, uh, he tends to talk extremely fast. Uh, and the second role was just to interview all the riders at the uh, end of the presentation to have their thoughts about the course. Uh, and that, of course, concerned the men Didn't and the hear. women. Didn't hear any of uh, Christian's traditional time-honoured catchphrases, the 3,500 kilometres of smiles. No. Uh, les, les organisateurs, what is it? Les organisateurs disposent, les coureurs proposent, basically, when um, he's trying to say that it's the riders that make the race. He's got a few of these sort of tropes that... Yeah, you're right. He, he, he does. He does, but we didn't hear them today. I think it was a pretty emotional... I don't know if, if you could see it on the screen or if, if you were in the... At the Palais des Congrès, you could you could you could sense it, but he, he was. I think that it was a pretty emotional Christian Prudhomme today, especially when he started talking about uh, Le Puy Dome because um, that is a place that he's always wanted the tour to return to and it, mission accomplished. And I think that was one of his uh, first missions when he uh, arrived uh, at ASO. Uh, I know he noted down on a piece of paper Puy de Dome maybe the first few weeks of, uh, of him being the uh, Tour de France director. And um, at last, we will return to the Puy de Dôme and it has a real big significance for him. But hmm. Maybe just he simply learned that I was uh, not doing the tour this year. That's why he was emotional. Who knows? Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking of traditions and, well, neglected traditions or forgotten traditions of the Tour de France, um, it is a tradition on the cycling podcast to begin with a news roundup and this tradition has very much been the preserve of Lionel Burney over the years this week we're going to have a message from Lionel before we crack on with the news roundup here's Lionel thank you Daniel hello everyone as you've possibly noticed I've not been on the cycling podcast for a little while and a few people have asked what's what well, quite simply, I've been working on a few other things in the background, most recently helping our ace producer, Tom Wally, to put the finishing touches to the Tour de Cos series. Well, helping or hindering one of the two. Uh, that series, the Tour de Cos, kicks off for Explore next week. It's a multi-part series released daily, telling the story of our journey around Scotland when Simon Gill and I rode to each of the Scottish Football League grounds. Uh, there's a fair bit of football in it, so if the beautiful game is not for you, you are forewarned. I've also been looking ahead at the Friends of the Podcast special episodes that we'll be putting out between Christmas and New Year. We're repeating the Christmas selection box format, which was very popular with a lot of listeners last year and there'll be a series of unconnected stories going out between Christmas and New Year for Friends of the Podcast. We hope to have some more details on that in the coming weeks and I've been looking forward a bit to 2023. I will be popping up from time to time on the Cycling Podcast I'm sure including actually later on in this episode talking to Lizzie Banks about the route of the 2023 Tour de France fam. So I'm keeping busy and I've been enjoying the podcast while Daniel has been uh, well team leader and sports director. 
So without further ado, back to Daniel, Francois and Seb to dissect the 2023 Tour de France route. So I know Seb and Francois will join me in wishing Lionel well when he does take his extended break um, next year. You'll be hearing bits and bobs from him anyway over the next few weeks. He's got, as you heard, a few things in the pipeline. We will crack on with the news roundup. We'll start, chaps, with two bits of sad news. The passing of two institutions in the world of cycling, one British, one Italian, and today we saw the presentation of the 2023 Tour de France. Well, no Briton had ever finished the Tour before 1955. Brian Robinson and Tony Hall made history that year. And sadly, on Thursday, Robinson passed away at the age of 91. In 1958, he'd become the first Briton to win a stage of the Tour. And the following year, he repeated that feat. He'd also finished eighth in the Vuelta in 1956 and third in Milan-San Remo in 1957. He continued to cycle regularly, almost up to his death, and he had been instrumental in bringing the tour to his native Yorkshire in 2014. Robinson will be greatly missed, and so in Italy will be Franco Vita, driver and right-hand man to the late legendary Italian national team selector Alfredo Martini. Vita sat alongside Martini in the Azzurri team car for over two decades, and hence witnessed six Italian men's world road race victories. He was 90 years old. Chaps, um, Seb, you may have come across Brian Robinson in 2014. Yes, indeed, for the Grand Depart. And actually, uh, the, the months before the Grand Depart, where there were so many um, occasions to go to Yorkshire with uh, Gary Verity um, prior to the race. And of course, for the Grand Depart uh, in, uh, in Leeds. And I remember Brian Robinson um, because he was just a, a charming, a charming little man that you would see uh, on all the, those occasions with a big smile on his face, happy to talk about the past, happy to talk about his uh, his times and his successes uh, at the Tour de France. Uh, and I know that, uh, yeah, a lot of people in Yorkshire will regret uh, Brian Robson. Yeah, we've talked a lot about pioneers of British cycling over the years. Tom Simpson, Bradley Wiggins, even being the first Briton to win the Tour de France. But Brian Robinson was really the first, the original trailblazer. No significant road racing in Europe over the last week, so we can skip ahead to what is, after all, the main activity of the autumn um, for most of us. And that is transfer speculation. Now, we've mentioned a few times over the last couple of weeks that we expect... Mark Cavendish to ink a deal with the team formerly known as B&B Hotels. I said last week that I thought Cavendish would be unveiled by the team at a press conference yesterday. I think it was due to be. However, that was cancelled, that press conference. The UCI also released their list of teams who had submitted necessary documents for registration in 2023. B&B were not on that list. So understandably, there was some alarm. Um, There has been a lot of talk about potential new sponsors for the team, but on Tuesday, a report in L'Equipe said that this was wide of the mark and that some of the names, some of the companies that had been mentioned in connection with that team, Amazon France, Carrefour, C-Discount. Are you familiar with that, chap? Yeah, C-Discount. Yeah, 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 yeah C-Discount. Um, yeah, they've all been mentioned as potential sponsors, but none of them, according to L'Equipe, are going to step up. There is talk of a of a, an energy company, Angie, I think it's called, maybe stepping in... But, Seb, Mark Cavendish was in Paris. You were in Paris. Uh, did you speak to him? Have you got any news for us? I have absolutely no news. Um, <laughs> other than that, Mark Cavendish was indeed in Paris. He uh, could easily have decided not to come to Paris and avoided the press. Uh, but he, he came because he's just so in love with the Tour de France and he wouldn't miss the, the, the Tour de France presentation for anything. 
Um, I also, honestly, I, I, I tried to have a quick chat with Mark. He just, he just mentioned that he didn't have any news. He hadn't had any news for the past few weeks. Uh, so I mean, mystery I, there. I suppose we should say that this, the, the process of him trying to find a new team for next year had gone way beyond the stage of him weighing up different options. He had decided that Jérôme Pinot's team, what was formerly B&B Hotels, was going to be his yes. team for next year. They hadn't, they hadn't unveiled him. And the team actually have been quite sensitive, um, probably understandably so now, given the, the uncertainty around sponsorship. But they, they have been noticeably sensitive over the last few months, I would say. Yeah, and they even uh, started building a team around Mark. Uh, we know um, uh, that uh, Raymond Sinkeldam, Sinkeldam apparently has signed for the team. Uh, Riqueze uh, as well should be joining the team or... That was that was the news that we had maybe a week ago, but since then we absolutely don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, funnily enough, I, I had a chat a few uh, a few minutes ago with the gentleman who wrote who wrote the story in L'Equipe, uh, Manu Martinez, uh, and he was uh, telling me that uh, they were uh, hoping for a 13 million uh, sponsor, uh, but that uh, has apparently disappeared. Uh, and, and Manu was actually telling me that he he hoped that uh, that this, the team could save itself uh, as as it is today, uh, and that would be the least. Francois, you've always got your ear to the ground, finger yeah. on the pulse. Yeah, well, I, I'd heard about the BNB uh, plan uh, during the Tour de France. Actually, when I when I took to uh, talk to Jean René Bernardo. At the time, I was, I was there were rumors that he might go to uh, that Mark Cavendish could go to uh, Total Energy, and and and, and Bernardo confirmed that he had, he had been in in contact with uh, in touch with uh, Cavendish. But the problem with Bernardo is that he's got Peter Sagan in, in his team, and the, and the two riders are not the best friends. Uh, Bernardo and Pino have known. I mean, Pino has known. Has been in quick steps, so he's, he's you know he's uh, with uh, you know in new Cavendish from that era. Uh, in the same time, Pino is you know started with Bernardo, and it's it's funny because it reminds me a way the way he deals with the with business. Uh, Pino is very Bernardo like. Uh, Bernardo being the guy who is very you know familiar with uh, uh, finding a sponsor at the very last minute and uh, and surprising everyone by saving his team like like every three or four years with uh, Bernardo, you've got a kind of drama melodrama. Mm-hmm. Of saving this team at the last minute, so that, that's that's a little bit the impression I, I, I've got. If it is Angie, if Angie is uh, confirmed, which could be the case because it's kind of a semi-public uh, um, uh, energy company and it's got lots of money, really lots of money. If that's the case, uh, they, they might not they might not be ready to put thirty. Maybe the problem is the figure: uh, thirteen million is a lot. Uh, but but they're, they're they're the biggest of the sponsors that that's been announced in terms of the capacity to in, to invest in the team, uh, and since Paris got involved in the team as well as we're not giving any money but giving their, their name to the team you know Paris as as a city, uh, there must there must be uh, you know politics behind that, mm. and I I. I, I can't really see if the team folded, you know, and disappeared, and, and Paris had, you know, had given their brand uh, to a team that's a failure. Knowing that uh, the, the the Paris mayor at the moment is not very popular, uh, it would be another. Yes, you know, miss- but but who's uh, aware of that? Who who is aware of, of Paris? Uh- 
I mean, of course, there was a press conference at the end of the Tour de France, but who who will remember that? Is it? Yeah. No, but but the the reason why what I'm saying is uh, Annie Hidalgo, the mayor, she's got she's got a network, and 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 all of a sudden we we've gone from uh, private companies like C Discount who actually re- sell used to sell secondhand CDs to it for cheap on the internet, and uh, and uh, and now they sell bits of everything, uh, and Amazon, and all of a sudden you turn to something that's very French and very kind. You know, for, Angie is a former division of Electricité de France. Uh, okay. So, so I, I mean, I, I'm I'm sure there's there's a lot of, of politics involved there. Uh, uh, the, one of the the guy who was in charge of of driving the, the project is actually the son of uh, of uh, Jean-Yves Le Drian, uh, who, who is the, the 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 head of the uh, Brittany region and who was uh, the foreign the French foreign minister for many years. So, as you see. Uh, there's more than just business behind that, uh, and uh, and then so we will see. And then another interesting thing is that uh, uh, with with Paris showing up, uh, all the links that the team used to have with Brittany have completely disappeared, and potential yeah. money coming from Brittany. And the same goes for Vital Concept, which was their former sponsor. That all the money from Vital Concept, all from Brittany, has disappeared, and the Britons. Don't want to hear about that team Yeah, anymore. that's what I was going to say. It didn't sound as though not only is the connection um, being cut, but certain bridges may have been even burned there. And Francois, just very quickly before we move on, um, you also have very good connections with Arkea Samsic. Now, I think this project and these negotiations are too far along with Mark Cavendish for him to be contemplating plans B and C. But one team that has been mentioned, possibly because of circumstances, because they have lost a big money signing in uh, Nairo Quintana, there has been some speculation that they might put their hand up. Anything? Well, well, if if we really play, uh, you know, play billiards there, uh, I was most, I was mentioning uh, the son of Jean-Yves Le Drian, and and Jean-Yves Le Drian has always been very close to uh, the Arca Samsic team. I mean, remember that they were called uh, Brittany at one stage, you know, Bretagne. Uh, so, and 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 Jean-Yves Le Drian's son left the BNB uh, project. So. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, as you say, uh, losing Quintana, uh, having a team that's 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 also got a, a very decent train now. I, I used to call their their train the Arkea tram, you know, but it's 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 not it's not the case it's not the case anymore. I mean, they've they've got they 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 have had a decent, a very good sprinter in Nasabwani. Uh, they've got Dan McClay. I mean, they they had, they had good good sprinters and there's, there's now a real uh, sprinting tradition there so yeah it's 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 it's, uh, it's not totally trams. silly yeah but trams are a very sustainable form of transport um, <laughs> well, I'm no aspersions cast on trams here um, let's move on chaps a couple more a couple uh, more bits of news I mentioned those UCI pre-registrations well another name that was conspicuous by its absence was Gianni Savio's drone hopper team we know we've mentioned in the last few weeks that drone hopper run into cash flow problems Gianni had effectively released all contracted riders from their future obligations. And now, sadly, we can confirm that Gianni's pretty much resigned having to significantly downgrade the team and become a continental division team in 2023. There'll be a lot of young riders. Um, There is the hope of coming back with Drone Hopper the following year. But the way things stand, there'll be no Giro d'Italia start for Gianni. A few more bits of speculation to follow up on. We'd heard a couple of weeks ago that Danish rider Mikkel Honoré might be released from his contract with Quickstep Alpha Vinyl to join EF Education First Easy Post. That has now been confirmed. We believe he signed a three-year deal. 
Incidentally, Rigoberto Aran's also signed a one-year extension with EF Education First. Um, another rider who possibly, reportedly, wanted to get out of a pre-existing agreement, at least we read that in the Colombian press, is was uh, Superman Lopez. However, latest f- the latest from the Colombian media is that Superman will stay with Astana in 2023. Finally, on the same subject, riders may be leaving teams prematurely. Chiro, our good friend Chiro Scognamiglio of La Gazzetta dello Sport, has reported that double welter stage winner Jay Vine may be about to leave Alpacin Phoenix for UAE Team Emirates. Vine has, we believe, one year left on his contract with Alpacin. Um, very last thing in the news roundup. Uh, controversial one um, after so far unconfirmed rumours in the last few weeks about a new sponsor maybe petrochemicals giant Repsol Movistar have announced a new partnership but it's with the Saudi Arabian Cycling Federation uh, the team said in a statement the agreement aims to develop technical staff enhance cooperation on training programmes exchange experiences hold regular workshops and support events races and activities in the kingdom for years to come the cooperation between the parties aims to jointly develop cycling projects in the kingdom at all levels. Wow. Um, Francois, what, what should we make of this very vague sounding agreement between Movistar and Saudi Arabia? Which I should say, I don't know whether I alluded to this a few weeks ago. It was in the penultimate day of the Vuelta a España this year. I was having a chat with Eusebio Unsue the Movistar team manager. And he was alluding to some kind of deal that, um, reading between the lines, I could already tell some of us would possibly find unpalatable or slightly oblique. Well, we've discussed many, many times the implications of, you know, uh, these uh, uh, Middle East uh, monarchies into cycling and to sports in general. We know what is called soft diplomacy, you know. Uh, I'm glad you said that. I've just read a really interesting article about the difference between we talk a lot about sports washing now, but that and using sport for soft as soft power reasons are slightly different. Yeah, and in any case, we've we've had Bahrain already, we have UAE Emirates, so now there'll, there'll be a little bit of Saudi Arabia. Personally, no comment they, they, they don't they don't seem like they're going to be very much involved in the sporting side of things uh, uh, I, I don't know exactly what the aim of the game is there uh, what we know is that uh, I mean these countries have lots of money to spend and sometimes to waste uh, apparently as we as we've seen well we're not going to dis- discuss the World Cup or Saudi Arabia build, building an, an entire new town out, out of nowhere in the in the middle of the well but it's interesting they're already involved in in another world tour team Mitchelton Scott uh, Alula the city the the splendid city uh, and location of Alula and it is really and I'm not joking at all it it is spectacular it's already a sponsor uh, and and their idea is of course to promote the touristic destination so I don't know what what, Mm -hmm. what the idea is behind Movistar but uh, maybe there's tourism as well yeah, so not much to say except that we we kind of accept uh, generally that you know football teams belong to uh, these guys and it, it and and we tend to discuss the, the you know uh, their implication in the cycling world. I I you know this kind of matters kind of uh, you know go over my my head a little bit. I mean you know if you know we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> 
the cycling podcast powered by super sapiens energy management for committed athletes and coaches and now you can wear the super sapiens energy band the first and only wearable that can display real-time glucose data directly from abbott's libra sense glucose sport biosensor the super sapiens energy band is available at supersapiens.com for 159 euros Thank you very much to Super Sapiens, our title sponsors. Super Sapiens system of continuous glucose monitoring can help you to tailor your nutrition strategy and improve your performance as a result. All kinds of insights from the Super Sapiens system in real time will show you how your body responds to certain types of food, to exercise, to stress, to rest. And with that data, you can make changes to every aspect of your training and fueling regimes. If you'd like to find out more about how the Super Sapiens system works, listen to the Super Sapiens podcast, which you'll find in whichever podcast app you're using to listen to the cycling podcast. It's presented by Zylon Van Eck and Dr. David Lippmann. Dr. David Lippmann is one of the scientific advisors to Super Sapiens, and they look at all manner of uh, aspects of continuous glucose monitoring and how this technology can aid performance. They make the very valid point that without data, you can't devise a strategy. So check out the Super Sapiens podcast. And if you want to find out more about Super Sapiens, you can also go to supersapiens.com. Pausu berdinak Errepide zuzen honetan Marraztutako Bidetik isiltasuna Aizearen norabidean Puntu bati begira Galtzen dugu ingurua Eta bertan dauden kolorea Baina bide gurutzeak Biraukera berriak Biraukera berriak Aukera berriak well, chaps, I thought I'd get us in the mood there for the Grand Depart in the Basque Country. is hotly anticipated. Certainly, I've been looking forward to it. I'm still very much looking forward to this Grand Depart in the Basque Country. I thought I'd get us in the mood with... Um, that was none other than the Fab Four of Basque cycling, or Basque music, you might say. That was Alquera Beriac, the, the, the now famous or infamous um, clip that went viral a year or so ago. Peo Bilbao, the Izaguirre brothers and Joseba Beloki singing a song, a Basque song called Alquera Beriac. New Opportunities. And that song was originally performed by Entol Sarmiento. And well, those four chaps, that fab four, um, brought it to wider notice wider or wider um attention on basque television a year or so ago and what a triumph their rendition was um who would who would be i don't know who'd be the john lennon of that quartet chaps um <laughs> peo bilbao jose babeloki and the isaguire brothers Beloki for sure Beloki for sure based on his story we will he, I think we should defer to Francois for this because Francois has got a relationship with Liverpool and, you know, he's in some ways, he's, he's our fifth Beatle. Well, well if, if two guys were, the, were 
brothers in the Beatles, you know, even if it sounds strange. I mean, it's probably Lennon McCartney. So, so you, you so, you so you, you, the, the Isagiri brothers m- must be Lennon McCartney, and you've got the good one and the bad one. It, 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 well, if you like, if you're a Lennon fan, I mean, so I, I, I won't go so far as saying who from Gorka or Ian is Lennon or who's McCartney <laughs> because I couldn't actually, if I met them, uh, you know, tell one from the other. But anyways, so who, who would be? Let, let's go to the in the video the, the, in the video. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gorka is the one with the Basque. What's it? Remind me of the name of a Basque beret. The the famous Basque berets that riders get given when they win the Classica San Sebastian. He's the one wearing that, and and Jan is the one that looks like a sort of IT consultant with his, the slightly sweaty IT consultant um, wearing a very tight shirt. Chaps, in this part, um, we are going to look at the first. The first half, well, not quite the first half, the first slice of the 2023 Tour de France unveiled today. Um, then we're going to take a break in the middle. And we're going to look at the Tour de France femme with Lizzie Banks. But I am going to well, do my best Christian Prudhomme impression and not talk about 3,500 kilometres of smiles. But I'm going to, I'll just present the first nine stages for us quickly and then we can we can discuss what we make of them. So the Tour de France is going to start, 2023 Tour de France, it will start on the 1st of July with a stage from Bilbao to Bilbao. It's going to start outside the San Mames Stadium, that is the home of uh, Athletic Bilbao football team. It's pretty much a tour of the Biscay province and coastline on the way back towards Bilbao. The race is going to go through Guernica which is the town which inspired Pablo Picasso's most famous painting. In the finale, we've got the Alto de Vivero, familiar to keen observers, keen watchers of the Tour of the Basque Country in recent years. That's a pretty difficult climb. It was also the launch pad for Marc Soler to win a stage in the Vuelta this year. And then, even closer to the finish, we've got the Pique Bidea climb, um, which is two kilometres long, 9%. So, it's a first stage for punchers. We won't have a sprinter in the yellow jersey at the end of stage one. Stage two, also in the Basque Country, Vittoria Gasteiz, beautiful Vittoria Gasteiz to beautiful San Sebastian, longest stage in the race, 209 kilometers. It's a hilly one as well. And I mentioned familiar, famous Basque climbs, um, the High Skibel. The emblematic climb of the Classica San Sebastian also features in this stage and the summit is 18 kilometres from the finish. So that is going to be another one that draws the climbers into battle very early on in the Tour de France. Stage three will be the first opportunity for the sprinters. Um, It will start in Amore Vieta in the Basque Country in Spain and it will go to Bayonne, probably the least French of French cities. Um, Bayonne was also where the longest ever stage of the Tour de France finished. It was a stage that was run in six consecutive tours from 1919 to 1924, Sable to Bayonne. That one was 483 kilometres long, um, significantly shorter this time around. But we expect to see the sprinters triumph there. And again, the next day from stage four on the 4th of July from Dax to Nogaro. Um, Dax, the hometown of André Darigat. It will be 70 years since his first stage win in the Tour de France. And Nogaro was also where Louis Ocaña died. Lots of nods in this Tour de France route to Louis Ocaña, who won the Tour in 1973, which will be 50 years ago. Fifth stage, we go into the Pyrenees, Port to La Reims, um, 165 kilometers with notably the steep side of the Col de Marie Blanc in the finale. La Reims, 
a Pyrenean town that has been kind to the Slovenians in recent years. Primoz Roglic won there in 2018 and Tadej Pogacar won in 2020. Stage six again in the Pyrenees and we've got the time-honoured Col d'Aspin, uh, Col du Tourmalet combination and then finally a 16-kilometre climb to Courteret where Richard Virenc won in 1995. Courteret was also where Miguel Inderain won his first tour stage in 1989. Stage 7 is another one for the sprinters, Mont de Marsan, where Luis Ocaña first lived in France. Um, and the stage goes to Bordeaux. It will be the 81st time Bordeaux has hosted a stage finish in the Tour de France, I believe. And stage 8 could again be one for the sprinters, Libant, which is sort of gateway to wine-growing country um, in the Bordeaux region. And the stage goes to Limoges. It will be an uphill finish in the town centre of Limoges. I think it's the same finish where Marcel Kittel narrowly beat Brian Cocal a few years ago. And then concluding this first tranche of Tour de France stages in 2023, it's going to be the ninth stage from saint Leonard de Noblat, the birthplace of uh, Raymond Poulidor, to the Puy de Dôme, the famous conical volcanic um, spiral staircase of a uh, mountain climb that Tour hasn't visited since 1988. Eight, and as Seb, you told us earlier, and um, that was a, a long-held dream of Christian Prudhomme, and it really is the, well, it's the the finale of the first part of the Tour de France. It comes before the first rest day, and it's probably of all of the climbs and all of the sort of treasures and attractions unveiled presented today, it's probably the one that's attracted the most attention. Would you not say, guys? Definitely, yeah. I mean, it was. As you know, as I said, it was it was kind of uh, revealed by the local press a month ago, and so everybody was expecting that. And it was, uh, as Seb said, you know, it, it's Christian Prudhomme has always been very keen on uh, the the history of the tour and of you know uh, continuing the tradition and defending the tradition of the Tour de France. He's also. He said repeatedly in the last couple of years that he wanted to favor what he calls the intermediate massifs. That's Massif Central, uh, Jura, and Vosges, and and which makes probably designing the course uh, more and more complicated every year. Because if you have to finish in Paris, have the Pyrenees, the Alps, plus the three other massifs, I mean the options once you once you've started from so, somewhere are pretty limited. But anyways, he, he really wanted to go back to the uh, to the Puy de Dome. The reason why. Uh, the uh, riders were not going back to the Puy de Dome. It was the same as the the reason why we didn't go back to the Granon uh, uh, until last year. You know, uh, the Granon had, hadn't been climbed uh, since 1986. Uh, it's for you know environmental issues. Uh, the, the the roads are very small, uh, and and in the same time, you you can't imagine having the whole caravan and the whole, the whole, the whole television setup and all that stuff up uh, the mountains. So obviously. The, uh, there, there was a, a kind of dress rehearsal like two years ago when we went to Puy-Marie. And um, so we, we could feel it coming, you know, bubbling, the, 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 the Puy de Dome. I, my impression is that we're going to have more and more of these, uh, like Le Grand Colombier, more and more of these finishes where the press room is 20 miles away. Uh, the, 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 there's only, you can only, only a couple of radios and TVs can interview the rider at the top. I think it's going to be something that's going to be more frequent because they're all, the, the, the insistence of having the whole setup of the tour 
up the mountain was was uh, you know was becoming uh, kind of uh, restrictive. I also think uh, because I know a little bit the guys who communicate for ASO that going back to the Puy de Dome, like we did go back to Le Granon uh, last year, is also to 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 show and to prove. Look. The tour can go to those places because because the tour respects environment and because the tour is also a great way to promote uh, the, the preservations of those areas. So it's kind of uh, you know you know reversing the the idea that maybe the tour uh, pollutes and 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 the the fact that local authorities allow the tour to go up there is also a way to show that you know look we're, 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 we we respect nature we respect those great sites and and we're back and that's why. The last four kilometers of that stage to Le Puy Dôme will be without the slightest spectator. Ah, because for, I mean, for many years, there was a quote from uh, Jean-François Pecheur, who was the former uh, competition, competitions director of the Tour de France, and he said the Tour was never going to go back. The reason he said that was that, I think it was in 2012, a railway Indeed. opened up, didn't it, on the Puy Dôme, and it goes alongside, well, if anyone has seen the famous old pictures of the Jacques Anquetil, uh, Raymond Poulidor duel in 1964 on the Puy de Dome. That road was effectively cut in half to accommodate a, what is a tourist radio. And the road, what was left of the road was left open as a sort of emergency, as service lane, wasn't it? Um, and I don't know what's going to happen on the race well, day. Well, it's funny, there, I, I, I had a chat with Thierry Gouvenot about it this morning. So indeed, the last four kilometres will be without any spectator. Uh, because the road is basically three meters fifty wide, which is which is not okay. massive, and Thierry, uh, who uh, is the race director in the red car behind the peloton, said that um, he would not allow any cars to be between groups in those final four kilometers, because you never know what can happen if a group. We, he doesn't want to see a group banging into a car or stuck because of a car so even even our car the race direction car number two will be way back and we will probably be far 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 away from uh, from from the winner uh so yeah decisions will be taken you won't be going up on the little choo-choo train <laughs> yeah. like the idea of thierry gouverneau going up on the i don't know what the train looks like but i imagine it to be you know a, a cute little little kind of steam yeah, train a yellow steam train maybe for for the mm. occasion well, I said it's it's hotly anticipated and it is the sort of big ticket item of this first half of the Tour de France. But, but that's history as well. That's speaking. history as well. I mean, uh, this morning during the uh, the presentation, everybody was talking about Poulidor Anctil, Poulidor Anctil. I, I actually uh, was interviewing uh, David Godu about uh, the return of the Puy de Dôme and he was saying, oh, it's fantastic, fantastic to go back to the Puy de Dôme. Uh, so many years after, uh, it's uh, it's the place where uh, it's the place where uh, Poulidor won. And, he, I, and he, I said, yeah, he didn't, I mean, I said, no, he didn't, didn't win. He did win. <laughs> he didn't. I, I, I told you. Know, he, <laughs> no. Do we know who did win? Can you tell me who did win? Jimenez. Correct. Exactly. Jimenez? And everybody yeah. thinks that it was a battle between uh, Poulidor and, and Antin and that famous picture that's uh, so iconic. Well, everybody thinks that Poulidor won it, but it wasn't the case. And, and Godu is, is one good example of that. And misleadingly, well, Poulidor did get the better of Ongtil that day, but effectively Ongtil had 
had had had the better day because he defended his yellow jersey and then he extended his lead to win the Tour de France uh, a couple of days later in the time trial. I have a slight, way to Paris. I have a slight little detail to cut on, you know, on correction corner. You mentioned Saint Leonard de Nobla has been the birthplace of Emmanuel. It's not. He didn't. He wasn't born in Saint Leonard de Nobla. He, he lived all his life there, but he wasn't born there. There, there you are. I'm so, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we've now got we've now got a proficient custodian of Corrections Corner because we've needed that for a while. Usually people, usually we just ignore each other's mistakes and then get the hate mail a few days later. Chaps, just generally speaking, let's look at the balance of this. So Seb, you've got your, your hand up, um, but talk to me a little bit. As you can about what we think of, of these nine stages as a whole, because it's it's a very untypical, unorthodox start. To There's a from. bit of everything. There really is a bit of everything uh, during that first uh, week of racing. There's tradition, of course, and there's the, you have novelties. You start with two uh, punchy stages. Uh, the second uh, I- between Vittorio Gasteis to San Sebastian has a lot of tradition with the Jaisky Bell and, so, uh, and, and all, all of that. It's also the uh, the shortest, longest stage in, in, in a lot of time. Uh, and it's well balanced. Uh, punches for the first two stages, uh, sprinters for the second two, and then the Pyrenees. Uh, after only uh, four days of racing with La Reims and, uh, and Cotteret-Cambas, including um, the Tourmalet and, and, and Aspin, and then again, two sprints, and then, of course, the Puy-de-Dôme. And you were talking about uh, tradition, uh, Dax, Darigade, Mont-de-Marsan, Ocania, Saint-Léonard de Logla, Poulidor, and Puy-de-Dôme, of course, Poulidor and Antilles. Yeah, the, the, to me, it's, it's not such an untypical start because if you remember the start in Nice, uh, it, it seems to be uh, the way the tour is going. Given uh, it's, it's kind of the mark uh, left by you know Thierry Gouvenou and Christian Prudhomme, th- their insistence on on, on having those uh, uh, intermediate you know uh, mid France uh, massifs uh, means that they, they have to organize the tour differently. And remember when we started from Nice, we, we went to Orsier Merlet, uh, you know, which is a ski resort in the first week. So uh, we, we've seen that before. Uh, I, I think it might become not, not a trend, but, but it, it, might, it might happen more and more that we have this kind of, uh, of uh, you know, atypical uh, 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 courses. Uh, it's, it's not great for sprinters. I mean, sp- sprinters always had to climb, uh, but at, the, at least in the past, they, they, they could have the, the luxury of, 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 of saying, well, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll climb but later on in the tour. Now, now they, 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 they are forced to climb a little bit earlier on, uh, but it's, it doesn't seem, it seems to be, to be kind of becoming a, a kind of trend. The result of this is that the first massive, the first classic, traditional massive we go to, uh, whether it's the Alps or the Pyrenees, and Pyrenees in this case, are ca- kind of a, 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 a bit lighter than usual. We don't have mm. lots of Pyrenees, only two stages. Cotteret, the finish is not very difficult. I mean, it's not that steep. And you, of, of course, you've got the Tourmalet, but we don't have this kind of succession of, of, of mountain passes in the first week. So yeah, that, that's the thing. I think the Pyrenees will be the, 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 in the same way as Orsier Merlet and those, those mountains in the first week of the Tour starting from Nice were not decisive. We, we, the Pyrenees will be kind of a, a foretaste of you know more to come later in the Tour. That year, when the tour did start from um, Nice, which year was that? It was 2020, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Um, we did have, we had a lot of crashes. We had guys crash out, in fact, and sustain pretty serious injuries that compromised their race. But And one thing that's often said about these 
when the race does start with hillier days is that maybe it will thin the field out slightly and that the stages will be less stressful. There's, there we'll get less of that um, sort of stereotypical fighting for position and what well, riders effectively crashing into each other. In Spain as well, generally speaking, there is less road furniture. The roads are, um, as we see every year in the Vuelta, a little bit less sort of prone to causing crashes. Do you, would you see that as maybe being a feature of the first week as well maybe less pressure on teams to pick the kind of big guard dog type riders to protect their leaders we're straight into the gc yeah yeah and and absolutely and i think that to compare with uh, the grand Depart in nice um well you can't really compare because the first stage of the grand Depart in nice was actually not a very hard stage it it finished uh, with a sprint Mm. it was the second stage that was the really demanding one for the 2023 Tour de France, the first stage, Bilbao, Bilbao, will be a really, really demanding stage. And uh, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, as you said, there will be a GC action as soon as day one, unlike stage one in Nice. Um, and yes, you're right. I think uh, uh, the organizers want to... Uh, um, burst the bubble uh, and, and get rid of all that pressure, the pressure of, of crashes and the pressure of, of a possible bunch sprints and uh, people complaining and this, that. And, and with a stage like the Bilbao, Bilbao one, uh, we get into the thick of things immediately. Before we go on to hear about the Tour de France fan, which we're going to do just in just a minute. Um, Francois, I described Bayonne as one of the least French of French cities. I did consult the dates. I was quite disappointed to learn that we won't be in Bayonne when the Fête de Bayonne no. <clears throat> um, are on. But just for the listeners, explain to us what are the Fête de Bayonne. So the, the, Fête, the, the Fête de Bayonne is a, is, a big, is a big street party and it's around the bullring. It's actually totally imported from uh, from uh, Spain because the, the it's actually the rugby there's a big rugby team in Bayonne l'Aviron Bayonne and guys from the rugby team went to Pampelona uh, for you know for partying because as you know you have got the big festival in Pampelona where well basically it's around you know bull no, it's not bullfighting it's you know we got bulls and cows you know uh, racing through the streets and then everybody gets gets drunk cider is like like in in some in the northern parts of Spain Spain is the the drink to drink in Bayonne during the fete, so it, it's it, the, the fete and Pacharan, uh, uh, the, the, as well. Yeah, uh, ab- absolutely, and p- Pacharan, and and w- which which means that the smell uh, after two or three days of partying is pretty strange. But anyways, so it's 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 a it's a real. So you've got all the it's it's. Every year we see the, during La San Fermin, we see the Spanish and especially the Basque riders, you know, wearing their uh, red scarves. And the Fête de Bayonne was directly inspired by the, the by what you get in Spain for the, La, La San Fermin. So yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, foods, uh, you know, booze, uh, partying, and uh, it's uh, and. Yeah, as you say, it's like a horn of Spain uh, into France, and uh, and and obviously Bayonne is being very very close to the border. The, the the Spanish influence and also the Basque influence is very very uh, very present there. I mean, it's a Basque place. Um, I have a question actually for you guys, uh, and concerns a stage that comes a bit later, the Mont Marsan to Bordeaux stage. Who is on the finish line? In Bordeaux, the last time the Tour de France. Cameron Diaz. Came. Cameron Diaz. That is burned into my memory. And? 
And it's whoever she was, who was the male lead in the film that she was in at the time? Was it Tom Cruise? It was indeed. Tom it Cruise was. and Cameron Diaz um, who came to present an absolutely awful film and they were there uh, shouting, cheering Mark Cavendish to his success. It's, it's nice that you mentioned Bordeaux because you mentioned tradition. Uh, we, we <laughs> and Cameron Diaz. Yeah, you we, we, we hadn't been in Bordeaux uh, for 13 years, I mean, since uh, twen- uh, since 2010. Yeah. And it used to be the, the, the place where, you know, you had the final sprint before the before the Champs-Élysées, Bordeaux was. That's why, as you mentioned, that we went to Bordeaux much more often than, uh, in the history of the tour than we went to Pau. But in our times, guys, we, we, we seem to have been to Pau every year. We, we, we're back. But we haven't been to Bordeaux that many times, actually. So, well, it's kind of nice that we're back to, to Bordeaux. Is there, a, I mean, is there a political reason behind that, uh, François? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? No, I don't think so. I, th- I think that, as you said, uh, obviously, Christian Prudhomme has been trying to, to, to design a, 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 tour, a Tour de France really you know, hooked in tradition. Chaps, I said we'd had arrived at the first rest day. We've done nine stages, certainly, of our presentation. We are also going to take a bit of a rest now, and we are going to, well, talk about or hear about the other race that was presented this morning in Paris, and that is the second, after last year's inaugural edition, Tour de France Femme, the women's Tour de France. Here is Lizzie Banks to tell us what she made of the 2023 Tour de France femme route. Hello, Lizzie. Well, you've been at the Virtual Palais de Congress today. You've seen the unveiling of the route for the second edition of the reborn Tour de France femme. What are your first impressions of next year's route? Well, it's an interesting route, isn't it? And first of all, we're not starting in Paris, which is uh, which is quite nice to see, actually, because I think it's going to really mark this race as its as its own race. But I think it's quite a similar race to to last year in in quite a few respects. We've still got eight stages. Uh, the format is relatively similar with the big mountains saved till the end, and and one of the sort of Tour de France's big famous mountains in there. Um, but this year we've got the addition of a time trial and that was something that has sort of been hankered for by uh, some of the biggest names in the peloton uh, including the double world time trial champion Ellen van Dyke. so I think there'll be a lot of happy riders to to see that addition to the race and I think actually at the end of the race we'll probably make it as exciting as a time trial can be yeah you're right no Paris start Clement Ferrand is the opening stage it's going to loop into the countryside of the massive Centrale they've called it a flat stage but around there it's quite lumpy it won't be kind of you know an easy day it may well end up in a in a sprint finish with a big group but it won't be easy and then it's a kind of tour of the southwest of france isn't it um lots of hills lots of grippy roads sure to be extremely hot um it's almost like the sort of the 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 final week of a tour de france and everything heading towards the col du tourmalet which they will take from the la mangie side uh which is my favorite side um i think that's the one that really sort of tests the riders there's there's nowhere to hide climbing the tourmalet from that direction and then as you say um you know the, the 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 
idea of the kind of the coronation on the final mountain, well, it might not necessarily be the case because if uh, riders are closely grouped together on time, there's still the 22 kilometer time trial in Po to sort things out. So I, I think it's a really well balanced route and it's in a wonderful part of France. The southwest is is my fa- favorite part of France. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, it, it feels like it's sort of broken away a little bit from the, the Tour de France. And as you say, it will have a kind of geographical um, identity of its own. It will it really will be a, a standalone event this time. And I do also think while the Paris start was, um, you know, quite eye catching, it, it's sort of a, a non days racing in the context of a proper stage race, isn't it? Um, so to have an actual full-on road stage to kick off, um, you know, it, it starts with a bang. Yeah, and I do have a bit of a theory about uh, the move away from Paris, other than just that it enables the race to to visit a different part of France. And actually, it would be it's about looking ahead to to 2024, and we we have a bit of a clash with the Olympics. So um, the women's Tour de France would start on the 20th of July, finishing on the 27th, which would be the same day as the Olympic time trial. Now, already there's been talk about possibly moving the men's Tour de France away from a finish in Paris because of disruption around the Olympics, which won't have even started at that point. So I wonder if actually this move also enables the Tour de France to potentially move the dates of the race in 2024. But getting back to this race, there's so much there's so much happening in the first five, six stages of the race before we even get to the Tourmalet. There are so many potential pitfalls for GC riders. Um, and especially on the first two stages, you know, there's there's two points where if you're not absolutely sharp and really in the right place at the right time, then you could end up in a group behind the main GC contenders and losing quite a lot of time. Um, we've got two puncher stages to begin with, followed by a pretty much nailed on sprint stage. And then another two puncher stages with another sprint stage um, in there. So really, I think that there are so many opportunities for riders like Elisa Balsamo, Lotta Kopecky, um, Mariana Voss, of course. And it's almost like the organizers didn't get to have Mariana Voss in that first yellow jersey this year. So uh, they've sort of designed a course that's perfect for her for next year. And of course, everyone will be anticipating the Tourmalet because no matter what happens in those first six stages, the Tourmalet is so difficult and so long. Uh, and bearing in mind, they'll have gone over the Aspan before it as well. Uh, that's a proper mountain stage. And you would imagine that that's where the, the final yellow jersey, you know, if it's not entirely decided on stage seven to the tourmalet i mean that's going to be the one that all of the climbers are looking ahead to isn't it i mean i mean talk about make a silly statement that it it really does stand out as uh, um the, the queen stage of the race doesn't it it does and i think the interesting thing about about this 2023 tour uh, you know compared to the 2022 one is we've only got that one high mountain stage and i think that that adds <sighs> It makes it quite different with how the race plays out because in 2022, the riders were so exhausted from the first mountain stage back to back with the second one. You know, you're sort of thinking about the the two put together rather than just thinking about each day as it comes. And now this is, it's all in for that day. And I, I do think things are closing the gaps are closing to Annemiek van Vluten. You know, Marta Cavalli, of course, wasn't able to contend um, in the high mountains. 
Demi Vollering and Veronica Ewers will have another another year behind them. Trek will have a much stronger squad in the mountains. So I think that coming into that mountain stage, it, it will be pretty exciting. And I expect it to be uh, less blown up than we saw this year. Um, and of course, you know, we just don't know what's going to happen in the time trial the next day. Generally, the GC riders uh, have a pretty good time trial. Uh, so anything could happen. You know, it was a very similar circuit to the Poe circuit in 2019, when of course, uh, Wout van Aert had his absolutely horrendous crash where he broke his leg. Um, we raced on that circuit, the women's race raced there for La Course, uh, but it actually runs sort of in the opposite direction, but it's got a really, really tricky sort of 10% finish going into the, into the finishing straight. So um, it's got a bit of everything and it can catch people out. Uh, you've got to be, you know, good technically. You've got to be on your game. You've got to have not absolutely used everything up the day before. Um, but also going back to the Tourmalade, it's high. It's really, really high. So the riders are going to have to prepare for that. They're going to have to go to altitude before. Um, and there's just so many, there's just so many things going on in this race. Um, I think that despite the fact that we don't have you know, a lot of the big names. We have the Tourmalet and that's the only sort of really big name in this tour. The parkour allows for the riders to make it aggressive and interesting and exciting every single day. And that is the most important thing here. And of course, the most important thing, Lizzie, is that the Tour de France fan will have its first cassoulet stage. Uh, Blagnac, <laughs> a stone's throw from Toulouse. So you'll get a good good cassoulet in uh, in Toulouse, certainly. It's one of the, the, the three main homes of cassoulet. One other little cultural aspect, the finish in Montignac-Lascaux is an interesting one. It, Montignac's a really small little village and it's... Um, where the Lascaux Caves are, which is where there are some um, prehistoric cave paintings, Cro-Magnon Man um, cave paintings that were discovered in 1940 by some teenagers whose dog uh, basically fell into a hole in the ground and they discovered this cave. The caves were open to the public for about 25 years and I think in the 60s they realised that uh, visitors, you know, the, 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 the um, carbon dioxide from people breathing in the caves was damaging the paintings. So they created uh, a, a basically a complete replica of the caves and the paintings and, the, um, the, you know, there are animals, horses and buffalo type uh, animals and uh, well in a previous life I actually did a couple of summers as a, a cycling holiday tour guide and we used to take uh, visitors to the Lascaux <laughs> Caves to see the to see the cave paintings so um, yeah wow. that's one to one to look out for if uh, anyone is in the region and of course you know Rodez, Albi, um, Lannemezan, Po. these are the names of the, of the Tour de France in the southwest of France and uh, so a lot of these roads are going to be very familiar to um, to viewers of the Tour de France and it's going to be fantastic to see the women's peloton racing on them. This is an at-a-glance first impressions look at the Tour de France fan route Lizzie but any other things that have leapt out at you from today's presentation? Well, I think one of the most important changes for next year's Tour de France is the fact that there are going to be seven rider teams. Now, um, I'm not entirely sold on this and I think I'm just going to have to wait and see what happens in the race. But I think that it won't necessarily add to um, the excitement of the racing. We've seen how in the men's side, they've gone down from nine to eight. And I sort of wonder why we're pushing up from six to seven, because I think that it may make the strongest team stronger and perhaps stifle some of the sort of diversity of the moves in the peloton and the sort of diversity of excitement. Um, so I don't know what you think about that, Lionel, but I'm, uh, I'm not quite sold yet. 
No, that's a very good point, Lizzie. I think, uh, well, one of the reasons for the reduction in team uh, sizes in the men's Grand Tours was precisely that, because basically the bigger the team, what you're doing is strengthening the already strong teams. But you know, we'll have to see how it plays out on the road. I mean, you already did a lot of speculation about the 2024 Tour de France fam and, and, and whether or not it would finish in Paris or near Paris or away from Paris. So, I'm, I, you know, let's not indulge in too much pre-race speculation at this point. Long way to go before we see how that all pans out. It's a long way to go to Po. Oh, nice. When the snow melts in the Pyrenees and Alps, for sure uh, we hit the recons again. Yeah. Uh, it's in the third week. Uh, what do you think of, of that? Yeah, it looks very interesting. Uh, hilly time trial, which I should like. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a GC battle on the TT day. I suppose there's a slight sense of revenge. You want the Tour de France back. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, this year I'm really motivated to, to win it again. And, and yeah, we will try to, to do everything that we can in the, in the race to, to succeed. Well, Seb, that was Tadej Pogacar talking to none other than you this morning um, really? about particularly particularly the second half of the race and the time trial the sole time trial in this Tour de France we'll talk about that um, in a minute but he well he was pretty sanguine about the whole the whole tour the whole route um, as he always is about pretty much everything but we were talking before we recorded today about how it was interesting I mean if you'd if you'd read Le Keep and if you'd looked at their social media over the last couple of days one would have been under the impression that Tadej Pogacar was the defending champion of the Tour de France not least because Jonas Vingegaard the actual defending champion was nowhere to be seen today. Indeed. And today, Pogacar was wearing an extremely smart suit. He was very proud of his suit and his shoes. But no Vingegaard uh, at the presentation. Uh, I know it shocked quite a few riders, including a a famous British sprinter who was uh, was shocked. (laughs) Dan McClain? (laughs) Who was shocked (laughs) not to see the title holder attend the presentation. Uh, The Dane, uh, Jonas Vingegaard, is currently in Singapore, if I'm correct, on holiday just before the uh, the Criterium in Singapore organised by uh, ASO. Yeah, organised by ASO. So one would have thought that ASO might have made special arrangements for him to get on a different flight, a delayed flight, but um, there may have been, I think there was a holiday involved as well. I think he was there um, in Singapore already in advance of that criterion. But we were talking also about whether this had happened in the past, uh, defending champions not being at the tour presentation, not there not even being a video message from defending champion. I suggested that in 2006, or for the presentation of the 2006 Tour de France route, Lance Armstrong was probably not in evidence or in attendance, not least because that was about a month after L'Equipe had accused him or produced pretty damning evidence that he'd taken EPO for um, at least one of his Tour de France victories. But any um, any other occasions, Francois, you can remember when Tour de France defending champion has not been there? Mm, well, to be honest, when I when I covered my first Tour de France presentation, it was not at Le Palais des Congrès. It was not such a big show with lots of uh, invitees, VIPs, riders and everything. It was a pretty, pretty, how could I say, you know, pedestrian affair with, with Félix Lévitin, uh, a few journalists and uh, and the tour 
uh, route was announced and there were no riders there at all so uh, so yeah I can remember that it was 1987 and but that, now that that the, since the tour presentation has become a show in itself usually I found I don't know about you guys and maybe the reason uh, the reason about the reason why is because they you know they announced the uh, tour de france femme uh, now and it's in addition to the show uh, which you know and and they probably got a time limitation or something but i i i my impression was that the riders were far less involved in the presentation than they used to be you you you, you had glimpses on tv of their you know of, of their of their listening with their headphones on uh, and and of course seb interviewed them after the show but you didn't have these little kind of uh, uh, moments where you know former winners came on stage to uh, uh, you know to, to say something. So I, I don't know. It's, it's probably I think planned, there, but there are two reasons for that. I, I believe uh, uh, knowing the organisers a little bit. First reason is that the star is the course and not the rider. And the second reason is that they we we, we they attempted the the experience of inter interviewing riders on stage, and it was never very interesting. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, the, the head of communication that you know very well, Francois, was disappointed by that and said, OK, well, we won't do it again. But we, but but we had a publicity clip for Orange that was quite mm. well not shocking. But I mean, in the past, I, it's, this this was one of the news for me. In the past, okay, the the, the sponsors was always uh, in evidence, always mentioned, but you didn't have like, I I mean, I, I had kind of the impression that every like. 20 minutes we'll, we'd have a, every sponsor we have this uh, their own video clip it was this mm. this time was really the, the orange clip was was really overtly uh, promotional a, a bit you know? too much indeed <laughs> I know in the past they, they always managed to talk about the sponsors sponsors in a, in, a, in a smart way talking about how complicated it is to have TV on a stage going to the Tourmalet or they would use uh, a team uh, that had the same sponsor as the Tour de France. I mm. mean, for instance, last year we went to do a recon of a stage with the girls of, uh, of, of Team Live Cycling and Live is also the sponsor of the white jersey. So it, it was yeah. smartly done. I have never attended a Tour de France presentation. You should. Um, mm. But I, yeah, I was also thinking, I've never really heard any kind of rollicking stories, any great yarns about Tour de France presentations. I imagine no. there's probably some alcohol oh, available, yeah. some canapes. Oh yeah, yeah, there's a buffet. Um, but I've yeah. Yeah, but I've never heard of any sort of scandal resulting from the consumption of alcoholic beverages or anything of that nature. The Tour de France it used to be people wearing slightly scandalous get-up, um, people looking slightly overweight already in October, but nothing really um, more controversial or scandalous than that. Chaps, we should continue with our ad hoc rambling, um, poor impersonation of Christian Prudhomme and tell us or tell the listeners what's coming in the second half of the race so we got to Clermont-Ferrand and the first rest day next we've got three I would say medium mountain stages that take us across the middle of France uh, stage 10 is from Vulcania uh, which is uh, the European park of volcanism it's a volcano themed um, theme park and it's a medium mountain stage it goes to Issoire um, ASO have called it the stage of the Puits um, the Puy being there, Puy themselves are volcanic hills, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the actual profile for that stage I haven't seen yet, so it's quite difficult to evaluate how hard that stage is going to be. The next day, there's another sort of medium mountain stage from Clermont de Moulin, 180 kilometers, three fairly minor climbs. That's through what we could call Julien Alaphilippe territory. Stage 12 from Rouen to Belleville en Beaujolais. 
five stages, uh, sorry, five climbs um, through the vineyards. And the last part of the stage is through the vineyards. And Paranese is a frequent visitor to that part of the world. Francois, I can remember balking at you, you ordering some Beaujolais a couple of years ago when we were out for dinner um, in a group at a World Championships in Yorkshire, I think. I think you like Beaujolais much more than I do. Anyway, because you never st- had the, you never had the good stuff. I'll tell you there what we to go. choose. There we go. And you won't be there this year to introduce me to it. <laughs> what a shame. That's a reason. That is one reason to extend your run of thirty-four tours to France. Stage thirteen, um, Châtillon sur Chalaronne to the Grand Colombier. It's the first big mountain stage of the second part of the race, shall we say, the Grand Colombier from Coulos. Seventeen point three kilometers at seven point one percent. That was where Egan Bernal's Title hopes faded in 2020. Tadej Pogacar won at the top of the Grand Colombier that year. And then we're into the Alps. So stage 14 starts from Annemasse and goes to Morzine. Annemasse being the birthplace of Aurélien Paris-Peintre of AG That stage, well, the, the stars, there are multiple climbs, but the star really of the climbs is the Juplan, which is one of the toughest climbs in the Alps. Um, it will be Morzine's first stage finished since 2016 that's also going to be the etape du tour um, stage 4200 meters of altitude gain that day 15th stage is léger to Saint-Gervais is it Saint-Gervais or Saint-Gervais Saint-Gervais Mont-Blanc um, 180 kilometers goes over the Fourclas de Montmain Croix-Frie Aravis and then there's a final 7 kilometer 7% climb to Saint-Gervais We've got a rest day in Saint-Gervais next. Then we have the long-awaited time trial, 22 kilometres. It's the only 22 kilometres of time trialling on the route. It's a nod, it's an homage to the 1980 World Championships won by Bernard Hinault in Salange over the Côte de Domancy. Stage 17, another day in the Alps. And this is really the Queen stage as far as the Alps are concerned. Saint-Gervais again to Courchevel. And it is going to finish on the other side of the Colla Loz, which we discovered, the tour discovered a couple of years ago. Superman Lopez winning the stage. Primoz Roglic dropping Tadej Pogacar. Stage 18, it's a flatter one, a very flat one, in fact, from Moutier in the Alps, out of the Alps to Bourg-en-Bresse, chicken capital of France. <laughs> um, the tour, I don't think has finished there since 2007 when Tom Boonen won a sprint I can remember um, Alexander Vinokurov crossing the line as though he'd gone several rounds several sequels with Freddy Krueger he was all beaten and shredded after a very nasty crash stage 19 uh, to uh, it was Moirins en Montagne to Poligny Another sprint stage, a cheesy one, I believe, Francois. Is it? Comte yeah. cheese? Yeah, it's the capital. Poligny is the capital of Comte cheese. Yeah, there that's we right. go. Very, very there pretty little town. There we go. <laughs> and stage 20. This is where the last, well, the last moves will be made by the GC riders. It is a Vosgian blockbuster, several climbs in the Vosges mountains, the last of which will be the Platzer Vasl. Um, 
And that is a climb that will be familiar to anyone who watched the Tour de France Femme and the decisive stage of that race this year. But it's a stage that generally reminds me very strongly of the penultimate stage of the 2021 Vuelta a España, which has become famous, infamous for Superman Lopez. We've mentioned him a couple of times. His meltdown, uh, multiple climbs, um, none of them over 10 kilometers, but some of them pretty difficult, sort of seven, eight percent gradients, and a lot. An awful lot could happen on that penultimate day. And then we have the traditional procession into Paris. So, chaps, overall, eight mountain stages in this tour, eight stages that have been earmarked to sprint stages, four medium mountain stages, one time trial, longest stage, 209 kilometres. We've discussed mainly there the Alps, a big chunk of Alpine racing um, for the second half of the race. But what are your thoughts generally? Um, no. Yeah, go ahead, Seb. That uh, I think that the organisers believe that super, 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 super hard stages are not the most exciting and the most spectacular ones. And I think that mm. they'd rather have uh, maybe easier stages with less uh, HC climbs and more action that can start... Uh, from early on uh, than, than finishing at the top of the Tourmalet or finishing at the top of the Galibier. Because uh, in recent years, uh, nothing has really happened when all the riders have waited until the final super difficult climb and the gaps were pretty slim and it wasn't very exciting. I mean, trim out the last stage in the Vosges, which I mentioned, trim out the procession in Paris. This could be a, a Dauphiné, couldn't it? In, in the same time, Jouplan and Laloz, uh, in terms of you know finishing uphill, up, up are not bad. I mean, you know, you you could see, you, you you could be tempted to wait for those two, mm. you know, passes as well. Uh, it's 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 a big chunk of uh, of of the Alps for sure. Very very hard uh, climbs. Uh, Laloz, uh, I don't, I don't know. I was. I was I was a little bit disappointed by La Loz from the other side the first time we went there. I mean, mm. it, it was it was uh, it was seen as you know something totally new. Uh, you know, the, the the road that's been totally designed for uh, cycling, uh, and and in the end, uh, I mean, okay, Ruglish uh, dropped uh, Pogacar that day, but I, I'm still you know th- that's that's a climb that still needs to uh, build uh, its own legend. We'll see. It's a very unusual one, isn't it? I can remember driving up it, and it does. It feels kind of confectioned. It feels synthetic. It feels it is man-made, it is. which it affects, yeah. well, all roads are man-made. But yeah. um, this is a road that was built recently, and it's a road that that sort of goes up in steps. It's sort of a, a toboggan, um, and roads traditionally in the Alps and in the mountains were not built in that fa- fashion. But this one. It sort of it kind of licks every contour, um, and it is is distinctive for that reason. But yeah, you know, you mentioned there, Seb, the sort of conviction on the part of the organisers that the super hard stages don't necessarily make for the best racing. I mean, I think there are three climbs, um, and only twice in this Tour de France where the race go over two thousand meters altitude. Only there are five, I think, fifteen kilometer plus climbs. Um, if I was if I was to pick one of the two riders most people think will be the favourites in 2023, Tadej Pogacar or Jonas Vingar, I would say that Tadej Pogacar, given what we we think we know about him and the mountains, he'd maybe be happier. Mm. But in, in the same time, I mean, we've, I know this, this has been discussed many, many times, and I, I know for sure because he told me that Christian Prudhomme doesn't like 
time trials, but 22 Ks, even if it's a hard one, once again, the one with the Côte de Demancy, it's not, I mean, if I was Philippe Ogana, I, I, I don't ride the Tour de France. I mean, it's, it's to, so, so you, you've got a whole category of riders uh, who, who, who's, you know, role in the history of the sport is, is uh, essential. I mean, the, the big time trial specialists, I mean, they, they, they'd better do the Giro or the Vuelta or, or stay home, you know. Uh, and and I, I think it's, it's I, I understand that some people don't like time trials, saying it's boring to see this guy, the kind of procession, one guy after the other. And, and, and sometimes if you have too much time trialing, of course it has an impact on uh, that's sometimes decisive and final on the tour. But at, at you know, it, it, towards the end of the tour, the way this one is, you, you could have at least, you know, have a, a, I'm a little bit nostalgic about the long time trials, like the 50, 60 case uh, time trials. I think that from time to time, you you need those. Uh, this time, I, I think that really, in terms of time trialing, it's 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 very meager, and it's it, in my opinion, it's not it's not what Grand Tours should be. There should be more time trialing in I Grand mean, Tours. Francois, all the more so possibly. I mean, I do not like time trials either, but in this current generation of riders, I think most of us would agree. If we assume that Remco Evenepoel won't ride the Tour de France, the three main contenders will be Pogacar, Vingegaard and Roglic. And in time trials, there is almost nothing between them. And particularly in a shortish time trial like this, 22 kilometres. So there is the risk of this particular stage in terms of the GC battle becoming almost an irrelevance. Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They should have had another one, another time trial early on, or a longer one, a longer one this time that would have suited you know, more probably more rugged than uh, Vingegaard. You see what I mean? I must say, chaps, this penultimate stage, finishing on the Mark Stein, of all of the things that ASO has tried for those penultimate stages, whether it be time trials or mountaintop finishes, sort of blockbuster mountaintop finishes, I think this is the best solution they have tried to date. Um, having seen particularly that fantastic day for for lots of different reasons in the Vuelta España in 2021 when you know it wasn't just well in fact it wasn't really the overall the kind of title that was being that was being um, fought for on that day Roglic had it pretty much in the bag but there were a lot of positions that were still up for grabs and on a day like that you might still hope to to get back two, three, four minutes. And that was what happened in some cases that day. So I think this is absolutely perfect. Yeah, and it's also interesting to see that uh, um, very often uh, the, 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 the Tour de France femme is inspired by the Tour de France homme and some of the stages that were on the, the men's race are now... What do you mean very often? It's only been going for a yeah, year. Sorry, two, two, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay, last year uh, and, and this year. Uh, but this time, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the men are using the Mark Stein that was used last year on the Tour de France Fans and uh, maybe that's... Uh, the organisers saw the performance uh, of uh, Annemiek van Vleuten over there and thought, oh, might be interesting to see what the boys can do with uh, the Mark Stein. Well, I would have loved to see a little bit of gravel then, you know, <laughs> but, which which isn't the case. But uh, yeah, I, it's always tricky, this penultimate stage, as you said, Daniel. We, we, you're right. It should be, it could be, it, it 
would probably be a very exciting uh, uh, you know penalty made day but it, it actually all depends on the situation of the race at, at that stage uh, if, if every, everything's set or more, you know more or less it could be a disappointment as well anyway the ter- it's it's once again I mean uh, Christian Prudhomme's legacy on the Tour de France will be I mean the, the guys from Les Vosges will be uh, you know can be very grateful to uh, Christian Prudhomme because he, he turned La Planche des Belfies that nobody knew about uh, you know into a, a Tour de France classic and, and now he's back every time he can go back to Les Vosges he does I know he likes the, the area very much and uh, I I I mean, I, I want to mention the, someone because I just I was talking to him on the phone just before we uh, we started the, this this pod, uh, guys. Um, an, an old Tour de France journalist called Patrick Lang called me, and uh, he, his father Serge Lang in, in, invented the Alpine Skin World Cup, and he was he covered the Tour de France for newspaper last week for many many years. Serge Lang, he was a you know, kind of legend of cycling and skiing journalism, and he was from the Mark. He was from the Mark Stein. So, he, I mean, I, I'll have a thought uh, um, uh, about Serge Lang, who, who died, uh, you know, in the early noughties, uh, because he was he was a real character. And uh, and last bit of trivia about the Mark Stein, something that absolutely useless, but I, that 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 Serge Lang told me, you know, at the time, uh, the Mark Stein Ski Club had a very famous uh, member in the 1920s, and it was Herman Goering. Uh, you know the oh, no- wow. yeah, <laughs> so it's totally yeah, useless. Completely. You'll never use it uh, again. But it's uh, the, the little peep, the little bit of trivia you might uh, Probably be interested. Not something that Christian Prudhomme will mention <laughs> in the. He does his little announcement at the start of every stage, Seb, doesn't he? Before he, he hands over to you in the race director's yeah, car. Probably might, not something I might mentioned. not mention that at all. Right. Try, try on, try on ITV. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give it, give it, give a, it shot. a shot. The Cycling Podcast is supported by Science in Sport. Science in Sport. Fueled by science. Thank you very much to Science in Sport for supporting the Cycling Podcast. Everybody out there can get 25% off everything at scienceinsport.com. That's everything you need to fuel your ride before, during and afterwards. Go to scienceinsport.com and use the discount code SISCP25. Well, chaps, we've deliberated, cogitated and digested, as uh, Lloyd Grossman used to say on MasterChef. There I am showing my advancing years. Um, We have spoken about the first and second half of this Tour de France 2023 route. But I wanted to know from both of you, what do you what do you look for? What's the first thing that you look for when a Tour de France route is is unveiled or or leaked? In fact, as we'll talk about maybe in a minute, but um, is the one thing that you particularly sort of zero in on when you first see the map? Well, personally, I, I always look for, and that's something that I, I'm sure, given your passion for uh, big climbs, I'm, I'm always looking for the new climb, the climb that's never been uh, climbed before. I think there's a couple, uh, not that many, but uh, in this in the tour this year, we, we always like to discover a new climb, a new terrain. For uh, so that's that's something we look forward to. Should I tell you what I don't like, Francois? I don't like the the French the bastardization of foreign names. I, I noticed for the Basque stages, we've got the I think it's called the Bidea Pique has been renamed the Cote de Pique. Well, that's Cote what Yorkshire Pique, did. Which I'm well, never Yorkshire a Yorkshire did that as well, and they yeah, they, 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 they fr- yeah. franchised their, their English words. 
Yeah, but in the same time, we're going to Amorebieta Echano, which is which has a different name in Basque. So we should should we use the the Basque name or the or like San Sebastian? I mean, it's it's a tricky one. I don't know. I I I, yeah. I don't have a. I I think yeah. Well, I th- you know we say Londres and we don't say London, so I don't know. Maybe we should. St- we spell Marseille with an S, yeah. apparently. The Daily Telegraph still spells Marseille right. with an S. That's I right, think. absolutely, and Lyon as well. Yeah, no. So I, I, I was look, so there's there's no huge uh, novelty in terms of the of new clients, but that, that that's the thing I'm looking for. As I'm writing the tourist guide for the Tour de France, I've been doing that for more than 20 years now. I also look for new towns because I, I, when I look at my files, I'm I think oh bloody hell i don't have this town uh and and so there's a new there's there's a little novelty there uh you know that in france we have departments and these departments have prefectures that that the uh that like yeah. counties and the county you know uh, main main town and uh, we're going to moulin yeah. and moulin was the only perfect prefecture in france in metropolitan france where the tour had never been so once again as you can see that uh christian prudhomme wanted to go to the puy de dome but obviously he couldn't stand the idea that one of the prefectures of, of france didn't stage a tour de france stage i i must say i'm very impressed by that extremely professional answer because i probably honestly would have said that i look for time trials or the lack of time trials because they're a pain in the ass for my job summit finishes are also a pain in the ass i'm sorry but um three hour traffic jams to get off summit finishes are not something that i relish um so yeah i look i tend to look at the tour route through an entirely selfish yeah, prison i agree um i must say in that in that vein i'm quite delighted at about the lack of transfers in this Tour de France, um, which also has environmental implications, which is something that we can all be pretty happy about, I think. Um, As you said in the first part, Francois, this is a Tour de France which is mainly concentrated in the south. That has culinary gastronomic implications as well, which I'm pretty pleased about. Um, But Seb, what about you? Because you're... you're I always look at the places where I've never been before. So obviously, look, Going to the Puy de Dôme is, is, is great news. I've never been to Nogaro, so I'm delighted to go to Nogaro. I also look at the places where I have good memories of hotels. Uh, so, for instance, I, 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 I look at Courchevel and think, oh, I hope I'll be in the same hotel as last time. I look at Marzine and, and hope to be in the same hotel as, as the last time. I also look at uh, places where I have family. I see Bordeaux uh, and Libourne. Uh, I have an opportunity to go, to go see some, some, some relatives and my sister. Um, and indeed, yeah, no transfers. So that's oh, no big transfers, except the final one after the Mark Stein, uh, which means that we'll be, yeah, we'll probably have to do around, I don't know, 400 kilometers to go to get back to Paris, 400, 500 kilometers to get back to Paris on a Saturday evening. So that's going to be, it's going to be a tough one. That's around about half what we've sometimes had to do. I mean, I'm thinking about the the time when we went from Mont Ventoux, even last year, and also the Basque Country a few years ago as well. So not too bad on that score. Um, but we, I mentioned leaks there, chaps. Um, I, I think I speak for Francois and me when I said it was the beneficiary of um, an early sketch, shall we say, of this Tour de France route, which you know this magically appeared in my what's in my WhatsApps a couple of days ago incredibly accurate it was too so thanks to whoever provided that but i think a lot of us now see discover 
the Tour de France route, uh, you know, at least a few hours in advance, maybe in some cases a few days in advance. The route is pretty much always leaked. Now, Seb, how much teeth gnashing does this cause in um, ASO towers? I think what really annoys them is when the leak actually comes from within, from ASO, and it has happened in the past. When when you suddenly see the, the map appear somewhere, that makes them absolutely furious. But there's not much they can do against... Uh, uh, a mayor who uh, wants to tell the world or tell the local newspaper that uh, his village is going to welcome the Tour de France. There's much, not much they can do against uh, a local radio, a local newspaper uh, who uh, discovers the, or the, this or that information or against uh, a journalist who is um, starting a, a thorough investigation and calling hotels in this or that city to know if uh, all the rooms are booked, and if the Tour de France will go there, uh, but it's it's part of the game. Seb, to your to your knowledge, has a mole ever been identified in discipline, <laughs> possibly guillotined by ASO? Yeah, no, actually, there the, the, the was yeah. no, there oh, was really? a, there was a year yeah. when the, the when the map the map was leaked the day before there there was a uh, there was a technical problem. Uh, it was, was an IT guy. I'm not sure he's still working at ASO. I'm serious. Uh, Not really. And and the guy really was uh, well was told, you know, what they thought about it, you know. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I think they were they were were testing they were testing the websites the Mm. previous evening, testing if how how would how it would go, and bang, they put it online. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, and the map stayed there for quite a bit, actually, like an oh, yeah. hour. So oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so plenty of time to to copy it. I I must say that I I get for for normal reasons I get the the routes a little bit before the the uh, you guys because I I you know writing the the tourist guide uh, for the websites I need to to work on it in advance. So I don't know the the exact uh, routes, but I, I I know the towns where we we're going. So I can tell you I'm I'm re- very pretty much courted by. Uh, our colleagues and uh, fellow journalists and others because they want to to, to be able to book hotels and restaurants. I should specify. I should specify. There are no... There were no routes leaked in the making of this no, podcast. No, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't leak the routes uh, to to anyone. I mean, it's part of my privilege to 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 be one of the guys you know before the others. But but this privilege would go straight away if I if I it was it's always telling everyone and 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 also it's it's kind of protected. They give me the towns, but I I don't know whether there are start towns, finish towns. Uh, I don't know whether uh, you know there are take. For 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 instance, we've got the Vulcania to Isoir stage. I, I knew they were going to Vulcania and Isoir, and they're sixty k's apart. So I was oh, I was happy that that's going to be a long time trial there. But there was there was it was not to be. So you see, sometimes you can get surprises. Chaps, we've spoken about how we are going to feel about this Tour de France route, how we do feel about this Tour de France route. Um, there were a few reactions I saw from various riders. Um, Seb, you spoke to various riders, I think, in the Palais des Concrets today. We said that Jonas Vingegaard wasn't there. Um, I just, you know, we've spoken a little bit in the last few weeks about recruitment by Vingegaard and Pogacar's respective teams. I'm not sure whether we can infer anything on that score. Um, from this Tour de France route, if, do UAE particularly need to strengthen one area as a result of this 
um, a very mountainous Tour de France route being unveiled. Um, likewise, Vingegaard. I mean, just in terms of recruitment, they're both, they, they are both strength, strengthening significantly anyway. Um, UAE have got Tim Wellens coming in. I'm not sure he'll do the Tour de France. They've got Adam Yates coming in. Maybe, Maybe Jay Vine. Vine. Yeah, yeah, Jumbo Visma. I've got Dylan Van Bala, Jan Tratnik, Attila Valter and Wilco Kelderman. But do you think anything in their plans or their respective teams' plans will have changed as a result of what happened? I don't today? think so. And it is uh, end of August, uh, end of October, so so um, it's it's all done and dusted in terms of recruit, recruitments or re- new recruits. Uh, so no, I don't think it, it'll it'll change things. Uh, on the other hand, now they're going to sit down, look at the route, the routes of the Giro, the Vuelta, and the Tour, and decide on who goes where. Francois, a question for you: Is cycling coming home? <laughs> Is it for Tebo? Is it for Tebo? <laughs> well, I don't think it'll be at the start. No, yeah, that's it. I, I, I've been asked that question uh, on French radio this morning about uh, French hopes. Uh, well, of course, so of course, Bardet has been a little bit better in the recent, uh, uh, you know, month, and uh, we're going back to Saint Gervais where he won a stage. But uh, you know, can you see Bardet do, you know, finish higher than top ten? I, I don't. Thibaut, what, what to say? I don't know. Yeah, as Seb says. He, Tebow, I mean, that applies to his whole career. I mean, Tebow, yeah, no, to that's say. right. Good, good. You, I think, re- probably reached his career high uh, last year by finishing fourth. Uh, I, I can see the future of French cycling is exciting. You know, with the uh, with the um, Francais des Jeux, you know, Conti team and guys com- coming up. But uh, we, we'll have to wait a little bit, I guess. Uh, I, I guess my, my, I'm pretty sure my my career will be over before we we get the next uh, the next French uh, tour champion mind you the the, the Puy de Dome is back so uh, who knows I don't know that, a, a little thing I wanted to say maybe because we didn't mention the tour fam I mean Lizzie uh, uh, you know discussed it uh, at length and uh, uh, you know and it was perfect as usual but I I I see he was already, you know, very, uh, as we said, a, a great success last year. I, I think it's kind of upgraded a little bit when you go to the Tourmalet, uh, you know, they, they, they're, they're really, uh, that, that, that there is a sense that, 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 you know, they really want to step up the, the race gradually. And that's what we expected. And I think that's, that's great because they, uh, they've got it even better. Last year's course was interesting because it was new uh, new places gravel you know kind of experimental uh, I, I, th- I think the, the Tour de France femme course is, is, is you know even more exciting this year around and uh, that's great as well yeah I, I was lucky enough to go and uh, check out the Tourmalet with two young ladies and it was uh, it was actually shown this morning at the press at the presentation with Evita Music and uh, Marie Lunette of FDG we went to the, to, to the Tourmalet and it was actually the first time that they ever uh, climbed the Tourmalet and there were stars in their eyes. I mean, they were, oh, they were loving it. We, 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 we had an absolutely amazing day with uh, Evita and Marie. They were discovering the Pyrenees. They were discovering the, Pyren- the, the Tourmalet and they couldn't believe that it would be on the, uh, the course of, uh, of the Tour de France. So that was uh, one of my highlights uh, of the last few weeks. Ah, so you leaked. So you leaked the tourmalet to those girls. <laughs> no, you know, I, I, I only leaked. No, no, no. Actually, I only told them that the tourmalet would be on the course. I didn't okay. tell them it would if it would be a stage finish. I didn't tell them if it would be a stage finish, and I didn't tell them it, that it would be the last stage. So there is still some mystery there. Okay, great. 
Uh, the, the trial of Seb PK will begin in Paris on Monday. Um, chaps, well, that just about concludes the entertainment, um, I, I do believe. But Francois, you know, we've, we've spent an hour talking about it now. What would it take for you to change your mind about doing the whole tour in 2023? Well, I mean, I mean, if if you tell me that nobody's, you know, n- none of you guys are doing is doing the tour, and the podcast will not be covering the tour because of shortage of staff, and I'm the only one available, and uh, and I, and as I really want the podcast to live on for as long as uh, you know Le Puy de Dome, uh, <laughs> I, in this case I might be, uh, I might say, okay, out of duty, I, I I'll do it. Otherwise, I might. Go to the start in Bilbao and stop in Cotoy for my, uh, you know, farewell party. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that once you once you said it's 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 over, you should you know you should stick to your to your word. Francois, come come to the Basque Country, then come back to Mont-de-Marsan, then go to Libourne for some fine Bordeaux wine, then return to Beaujolais for some wine as well, <laughs> and finish off in the Alps for some cheese. Maybe that maybe uh, this could convince me to uh, to do it, not covering the race at all, but but uh, you know covering the tour for I don't know a a uh, a gastronomy magazine or uh, you know or for for some magazine, but only covering wine and food. That, that this way I might do it. Yeah. I tell you what, Francois, I will strike a deal with you. If I can persuade Davide Rebellin and Alejandro Valverde to do one more year, will you do one more Tour de France for us? Well, uh, as, as long as I'm, you, know, you don't want me to be in, the, in a car with Davide and Alejandro, uh, it'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that suitably ridiculous note, I think that does conclude the entertainment for this evening. Our ad hoc rambling, um, slightly shambolic, 2023 Tour de France presentation. I'm going to thank the voice of Race Radio, the voice of the Tour de France indeed, Seb Piquet, for your company today. Thank you, Seb. Thank you very much. See you soon. And I'm going to thank Francois Tomano in the hope and in the confidence <laughs> that we are going to talk Francois yeah. around. And we, we will all be seeing him and hearing from him at the Tour de France in 2023, in some capacity at least. We'll see. Well, anyway, thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you, Francois. The Cycling Podcast was created in 2013 by Richard Moore, Daniel Freeb, and Lionel Burney.